Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to Indie Talk Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, as usual, Paul Martinez. And we're here to talk today about Ring of Honor Television and Lucha Underground. Two fantastic episodes. I'm excited to talk about them, so let's get right into it, shall we? We'll start with Ring of Honor TV. This aired on May 9th of 2015. And uh, we start right off with our opening match, which is Chris Saban versus Kyle O'Reilly. Of course, if you remember from our last episode, Kyle O'Reilly of Red Dragon lost the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships to the addiction due to the interference of Chris Saban when we found out that the three of them were actually KRD. Before the match, uh, Saban comes out first, and he jumps over the railing into the crowd, and uh, not to be seen again. Then we get Kyle's entrance, and he's still wrapped up. He had taken a belt shot at the end of the match where they lost the titles and was busted open. He's bandaged up here, apparently with the stitches uh, still in his head. And from behind, Saban somehow was able to backtrack around and attack him from behind, beating him down the railing all the way up to the ring. But once they get to the ring and the bell sounds, Kyle grabs Saban's arm and kind of like a modified arm breaker into the ropes. Totally turns the tide. Saban's trying to run, but he is catching the wrath on the outside from a very pissed off Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle winds up hitting a belly-to-belly on the floor. And uh, in control, so Saban is using head games and using Kyle's anger against them and regains the advantage. He winds up pulling off the bandages, covering the stitches, and starts to work on the cut with punches and what have you. And the cut reopens, and uh, Ring of Honor TV now turns black and white. as I guess they didn't want to show us exactly how much blood was flowing. And you really can't tell if it being in black and white, but you can tell there was a significant amount of blood coming from that wound. But O'Reilly, it seems like the, the, the sight of blood fired him up. He hits his striking combo to get Saban down, but Saban comes back hitting a nice springboard DDT, gets a two count. Uh, then they just start training kicks and chops in the center of the ring. There's a pendulum lariat by Kyle, which he calls the Nigel, and uh, old to Nigel McGinnis. Then hits a brain buster, gets a near fall, uh, O'Reilly seems a bit dazed, uh, I guess due to the loss of blood, and he kind of stumbles through the ropes and falls to the floor. Out comes his partner, Bobby Fish, ringside. Bobby's trying to, you know, root him on and, and, and try to urge him to keep fighting. And actually, the fans help Kyle to his feet, and Kyle's able to get in the ring at the count of 19 to uh, prevent the count out. And they go right back to trading strikes again. And then Kyle gets on the guillotine choke of his. Out wins Christopher Daniels of the addiction. He gets on the ring apron, but Bobby Fish goes out uh, to get him. And they start brawling. And then the referee decides that, well, forget the match that he's officiating. He wants to be on the outside with Fish and Daniels, who are not participants in the match. So, of course, you can tell what's going to happen. Kazarian wasn't running in the ring. He and Saban double-teamed Kyle. They hit like an elevated assisting rolling cutter. Then Chris Saban hits the cradle shock. 
And miraculously, the referee remembers his job and uh, comes in the ring and counts the three. And uh, that gives Chris Shaben the win over Kyle O'Reilly. Three stars because it was a good match, but it loses points for this stupid gimmick of having a referee more concerned with non-participants fighting outside the ring. I hate that dumb shit. It makes no sense to me. Uh, if I was, you know, we have to remember that they're supposed to be given the illusion of reality. And in reality, if I was the uh, boss or the owner of what uh, Ring of Honor, and my referee did this, he'd be fired by the time he got to the back. I just think it's stupid. It doesn't play out right. It doesn't make any logical sense. And I know it's done all the time, but I hate it all the time. And come on, come on, guys. Get that together. It's just a stupid, stupid way to finish things. And I'm really not happy about Ring of Honor doing so many outside interference things, which is something you never, ever really saw with Ring of Honor years ago. I go back to where it was before. You, know, you can let a heel get over without cheating. You know, it's called, it's called having agents that know how to book a match. Okay, um, after that, we get a video package hyping the Ring of Honor New Japan shows that are coming. It was an awesome video. I did find out that the fourth show is actually recorded for TV tapings. So that'll probably be the only time we get to see those matches. So those matches will be reviewed on future episodes of Indie Talk Podcast. Uh, as for the other three, I thought all three were iPay-per-view. Apparently only one was. The other two are going to be released on video on demand. They weren't released yet. I did see the pay-per-view one, the iPay-per-view one. So you'll probably be hearing a review of that coming soon. Our next match, and we only have two matches on the show. This is our main event, and this is a dream matchup. ACH, Matt Seidel, and Alberto El Patron facing Roderick Strong and J.M. Mark, the Briscoes. We get an incredible hero's welcome for Alberto, as this is being taped in San Antonio. And really, I mean, this is tremendous action for all six men. The crowd is red hot as well which always, in my opinion, makes a match better. Briscoes and Roddy, at, at one point, are getting the heat on ACH for a while. He tries to rally, but he gets hit with an insane dropkick from Strong. Uh, we get a slingshot double stop by Mark Briscoe. ACH rallies again, is able to make the hot tag to Alberto, and help throw throw into House of Fire here. Uh, he hits a tilt-the-wall backbreaker on Roddy. Then a step up and Zaguri, which he gets a two count with. Uh, Jay comes in and he punches and elbows on Alberto. Hits a reverse neck breaker for a near fall. Alberto comes back, nails him with a DDT. Seidel comes in. He hits Jay with a standing moonsault for two. Uh, when Jay kicks out, he's able to uh, tag in Mark. Mark starts stomping Seidel in the corner, but he gets to tag the ACH. Well, it's a really nice, like, modified swinging DDT. It's a really nifty move. I, I like that move. Strong then comes in, catches all three opponents with big blows. There's a backbreaker, a jumping knee in a side down, which looks beautiful. Then he superplexes ACH, tags in Mark with a flying elbow, but Alberto winds up stopping the pin attempt. Then we get one of those scrums where everybody's nailing someone else or something, like laying everybody out. Alberto gets a little bit of a sloppy arm breaker on Mark. 
Then Seidel goes up top and hits a shooting star on him. Then ACH goes up. 450 splash. 1, 2, 3. Wow, fantastic match. I gave this 4.5 stars. Crowd is on their feet as they should be. I don't know, maybe upon rewatching, I may not give it that higher rank, but as I told you, a, a hot crowd will usually jack up the score for me. And this crowd loved this match from the opening bell and just made it seem special. Uh, after the match, Jay and Alberto shook hands. Everyone in this match delivered. Strong was especially astounding. Um, ACH and Mark Briscoe wrestled their hearts out. Jay and Alberto showed why they are who they are. And Matt Seidel continues to erase the memory of Evan Bourne. Trust me, if you, I, I don't even think you would, there's a lot of people maybe who are not big Ring of Honor fans. If they watch the show, they wouldn't even know Seidel and Bourne were the same person. And uh, two matches. That's all they gave us tonight. And that's all we needed. Ring of Honor is back, people. Uh, those who jump ship after the talent raids need to come back. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm being honest. I was one of them. I used to go, me and my friends went to every Ring of Honor uh, show they did in New York. When they would go to the Manhattan Center, we were there every show. And when we lost Daniel Bryan, Nigel, and we lost the, the Kings of Wrestling, and we lost Shelton, and, and you know, there's so many other guys that I, I'm forgetting top guys who are gone, you know, Davey Richards and, and Eddie Edwards and Austin Aries and all these guys left the company, we, you know, we got influxed very quickly with a whole new mid-card. And there were guys we didn't know, guys we didn't have any build-up with as far as, like, watching them come up through the ranks. They were just here in our face. And, uh, you know, we, we wound up stopping watching and this year in 2015 i have been pretty much watching for the beginning of the year and i tell you i have new favorites now you know those guys are gone and they've made new stars and these guys are great uh you know some former stars returning like matt Sydal and jay lito and new guys like war machine ach who i love cedric alexander uh, uh there are just so many you know, the the rise of Jay Briscoe uh, from just being a tag team wrestler to being the company's top man. Uh, trust me, for you guys who kind of gave up on Ring of Honor because all your favorites went over to WWE, come back and give this a watch. Give it a chance again. And I tell you, this is as good as they've been in a while. I mean, even even the the kingdom, who I was not big fans of, and now I'm Kingdom. Now I'm a fan of the Kingdom. So trust me, give Ring of Honor a chance again. They are really, really on a roll. Uh, we'll do a little news. There's not really much to talk about. Of course, if you've been, unless you've been living under a rock, you've all heard about Daniel Bryan. Malik was seeing the IC title. Uh, as we remember, we spoke about, about a week and a half ago about how there were rumors on just how bad this injury was. Well, it looks like it was very bad, as I feared. And uh, he's going to be out an indefinite amount of time. There is some doubt, as he even said it himself, to his future in the business. It's a damn shame. Huge Daniel Bryan fan. But as you saw with Pero Aguayo Jr., I don't want anybody wrestling that it isn't safe for them to wrestle. It's hard for me to say. I, it's like I, I've said this before. I have mixed reactions. I love Daniel Bryan. I'd love to see him return to the ring. 
but not if his health was at risk. I'd rather never see him wrestle again than see him wrestle uh, with his health at risk. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Let's hope that uh, in time the doctors clear him. And if not, it's been a great, great run. The only thing I didn't notice, uh, Dave Batista, he's going to be playing a Bond villain in the new 007 film coming out soon. And he just landed a role where he'll be playing a heel again in an upcoming film called Warrior's Gate. Gotta say, uh, Dave Batista, we may never see him in the ring again. He seems to, you know, with Guards of the Galaxy, the man with the iron fist. Batista is carving out a niche uh, for himself in, in Hollywood. And uh, really, outside of The Rock, what other wrestlers have more success than him uh, with his career? He has done better than Piper. Uh, I, would, I would argue he's done better than Hogan. So um, he might be the number two, uh, the most uh, second most successful professional wrestler to go to Hollywood after The Rock. And good for him. I was never a big fan of his in the ring, but I, I'm happy for him, and I hope uh, he has continued success in Hollywood. Now let's get on to our main event, which is Lucha Underground. This is episode 27, as we get close to the end of season one. Just a small note before we get started. While nothing has been made official yet, it's more and more becoming the talk is leaning that there will definitely be a season two. And it may be um, even bigger because they're hoping to land a popular local station in Mexico, as well as Univision in uh, America, which is a, a very big Latin station, maybe the biggest uh, Latin uh, TV station in America. So if they land uh, deals on these networks, it brings them to a whole new audience. And, of course, a bigger audience means more revenue. And with more revenue means, uh, of course, that means, as you know, once you make money, you don't go anywhere. And I really hope that this happens for them. Because uh, it's pretty much across the board, all the critics and pretty much almost every fan I talk to loves Lucha Underground. So let's start with the show. And it opens up in Dario's brother's cell area. And Dario's there talking to his brother. He says he has acquired the seven medallions of the ancient Aztec tribes. And supposedly they can make one warrior, like, invincible. And he's planning to recreate the battles for these medallions tonight. He says he may even bring a TV up to the cell so his brother can watch the carnage. Okay, what the... F what? What now? <laughs> I'm telling you, I love this show, but they go off on some weird... Weird angles every now and then. But, uh, hey, we'll, we'll see what these medallions mean. Our opening match, Aerostar versus, and I was very excited to see this, Jack Evans. Wow, Jack Evans is here. He is an indie legend. If you don't know Jack Evans, uh, I believe he was the last member of the dungeon. I could be wrong about that, about who exactly was the last member of the famed Heart Dungeon, but I do believe it was Jack Evans. And everyone, anyone who knows Jack Evans' story, and it's quite a story, considered widely by just about everyone to be one of the most promising young wrestlers a few years ago. 
uh, that, that that anyone had seen in a long, long time. The guy talent out the wazoo, but unfortunately, uh, as much talent he has in the ring was as much of a problem as he was out of the ring, and also well-renowned cancer room. Uh, I'm sorry, locker room cancer. And uh, he really burned a lot of bridges in this business. WWE wanted nothing to do with him. They couldn't take him. And he burned bridges all around the world. And he made a go for it in AAA Mexico and really seemed to turn things around. Which I guess comes to maturity. I think uh, I think maybe all the hype got to his head with the young man. And everyone's telling him, you're the next biggest star of this business. And I think it went to his head. And maybe now that he sees how much money is left on the table by his antics, He's grown up a little. As for the match, I mean, this action is fast. Such a treat to see Evans work on TV, which is a true rarity. The only time I've really seen Jack Evans work was in Ring of Honor for the short time he was there. And I always thought this guy was just uh, a natural in the ring. Uh, Aerostar winds up sending uh, Jack to the floor. Then hits a flip dive, but he's grabbing his hamstring as he landed wrong. And this turned around. It pretty much hampered him throughout the match. He was limping a little bit uh, throughout this match, and at the end, it kind of came into play. So uh, uh, hopefully it's nothing too serious. They tried to say it was his knee, but if you look at it right here, he's holding his hamstring, and I think that's what was bothering him. Uh, inside the ring, Jack does a really nice judo throw. That's something different. And hits a hard kick to the back of the neck. Then uh, locks on a modified STF. A little later, he hits what... They said was called the Ode to Blitzkrieg for near fall. Kind of like a standing corkscrew moonsault of some sort. A really impressive looking move. Then Aerostar winds up rallying. But he gets cut off on the outside. And uh, he's laid out. Evans climbs up to that first elevated seating area. If you've ever watched Lucha Underground, you know what I'm speaking of. And he hits a 450 on the floor. From that spot. Holy crap. I'm already loving this guy. Uh, Evans misses what I think was a Phoenix Splash. He's so fast. And I I think it looked like a Phoenix Splash to me. But he missed it. They are battling on the top rope. And out of nowhere, Aerostore hits a flipping pile driver off the top rope. That may have been the sickest spot i ever seen. Holy shit. You could count to a 100. This was over. Four stars, amazing match. I almost thought that Evans was legit hurt on this. Sick, sick spot. The crowd is going bananas. Amazing match. I really hope this is not the last we see of Jack Evans. And Aerostar, who I was not that high on from the beginning, not because of his in-wing work, I just kind of felt he just kind of blended in, looking a little like everyone else, which is always my little bit of argument of Lucha Libre. I always kind of felt the guys didn't distinguish themselves. But uh, a flipping power driver off the top rope? Yeah, I'm going to remember you after that. Uh, we go to the locker room area, and Big Rick is there. He's counting a wad of money when his cousin, Mac, shows up and asks his own, what's, you know, what's with the cash? And Rick acts like a total jerk to him, like, you're worrying about the fans and doing nice moves. I don't even worry about cash. I'll even take out a member of my own family if the money's right. So much for Rick's face turn. Not cool, Lucha Underground. Uh, this was straight WCW-like. Get your story straight. Fans want continuity. We, you know, this is not. This is not the way. You don't have Rick 
turn babyface and find God and all that. And he had that match with Sexy Star. We didn't want to hurt her. And then like three, four weeks later, he's back to being a jerk again. That's not the way you do things with Underground. The fans remember this. I remember it. The fans remember it. Fans hate that. Why do you think the fans have turned on Kane and Big Show and WWE? Because they're tired of the every six months they turn them again. You gotta have stories make sense. They have to run logical courses. There was absolutely no reason. Really, there was no reason to ever turn on Babyface. I thought the whole him finding God thing was the mistake here. Rick always should have remained the heel. He could have been a heel going after the crew. And I think that whole thing made this a little stupid and it didn't make any sense. Now we go back to the ring and Dario has demanded seven luchadors come to the ring. The seven luchadors are uh, Killshot, Phoenix, Cage, King Cuerno, Pentagon Jr., Sexy Star, and the Mac. And what he comes out and tells us we're going to have a seven-way match and the winner gets one of the seven medallions. Almost impossible to give a play-by-play here in this match. It's really like watching a battle royale. You know, as we get to the close of the match, Cuerno winds up hitting a throw of the hunt on kill shot. But Sexy breaks it up and then, you know, does a side cradle and rolls up Cuerno, only to catch a vicious kick to the back by Pentagon Jr., he hits a sick three up, three down on Sexy Star. She took a sick bump. My Mac breaks up that cover. Then Pentagon, he's just, Pentagon, this whole match has been the start of match. He's hitting the same moves throughout. Um, he winds up pressing Sexy Star into a double knee gut buster. Oh, look, look, that looked like the finish. But here comes Phoenix. He hits a reverse Frankensteiner and a standing moonsault. Gets the win. Three and a half stars. Wow, this was fun. I love this show. Great, great, great match. And I guess we're going to have seven or six more of these seven-way matches. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We go back to Dario's office, and we're there with the trio's champs, Ivelisse, Son of Havoc, and Angelico. They really need to give these three guys a name. Um, He tells them, since they lost to the crew in a tag match last show, they're going to have to defend the titles against the crew in a ladder match, despite the fact that Ivelisse's ankle is still in the cast. They kind of, you know, complain, and Dario says, well, you know, if you can't do it, I'll just strip you of the titles now. So they all reluctantly agree to, to the match. And as they're leaving, uh, they are still bickering, you know, they still can't get along at all. I don't think Angelica and Son of Havoc like each other, but I think they're willing to work with each other a little and work, make the team work more than Ivelisse, who is just totally, just constantly uh, antagonizing both of them. And of course, while this is going on, uh, we see Dario just smiling to himself. <laughs> Gotta love Dario. Uh, in the locker room, we have Phoenix, and I didn't notice his... Um, I might have missed it. I was looking to see what this medallion was. I didn't notice it. Uh, the lights go out, and Katrina appears. And she's telling Phoenix that his beating Mil Muertes in the coffin match was all their plan. He used that so he could steal some of his power of a thousand lives to make Mil uh, invincible. And now Phoenix is just a pawn for death. 
lights go out, Katrina's gone, and they are like these three like masked lucha ghosts on top of the locker, uh, you know, making these creepy motions, and then they start to descend upon him. Creepy stuff. I knew Katrina was never good. Remember that? Go back to my old, <laughs> my old reviews. I, I told you, I never bought that Katrina was good, and it wasn't. It was all a plan all along. Then my future wife, Melissa Santos, introduces the combatants to the main event, which of course is the number one contenders match, as we have Alberto El Patron facing off against Hernandez. These two guys are going right at each other. Both men getting in some good offense. Uh, Hernandez maybe a little more. But Alberto comes back and uh, gets Hernandez dazed. And he's looking to lock on his arm breaker. When Johnny Mundo runs down. And drags Alberto out of the ring. Hits a DDT on the floor. The crowd is booing. And he takes Alberto, Johnny does. And he throws him. Right through Dario's office window. The camera, to say, shows, switches to the inside the office where Dario's standing there watching Alberto bleeding, hanging through his shattered glass. He's practically laughing. He is so, like, he was surprised, but at the same time so overjoyed at the violence. And um, I think he goes and pours himself a drink. <laughs> I love Dario. He's just, what a great character. Uh, Morrison grabs Alberto. Uh, rolls him into the ring. The crowd is furious. They are living. Hernandez covers the broken and bloody body of Alberto. Gets the victory. Johnny slowly walks up the steps. I swear for a second I thought the crowd was going to attack him. Uh, then they show Dario like through the broken window uh, with a drink in his hand. Looking over his damaged window without like a care in the world. He's like pouring out pieces of the broken wood. Not angry, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they destroyed my office. But, like, like you know, like, totally pleased at the situation. <laughs> this guy's great. Paramedics come ringside as they stole down El Patron. It really has not moved since going through that glass. And uh, they're heading to him as the show closes. Another uh, fantastic episode of Lucha Underground. I didn't give that match... A ranking as, you know, it didn't go on that long. And, of course, then the end. But I'll say for the entire angle of Johnny Mundo's heel turn, four plus five stars. Fantastic job done here. Uh, Lucha Underground continues to impress. A little annoyed about the uh, Big Rick thing. But that's a really minor, minor detail to a, an otherwise outstanding show. And I got to say to this, I have a discussion with a couple of people yesterday. And... The show is great. It really is great. In my opinion, it's the best TV show, wrestling TV show on the air today, bar none. Um, I, I say that because I think while wrestling should mostly be about the in-ring action, storylines are important. Ring of Honor, really, not that they don't have any storylines, but you know they they're like ninety percent in-ring, ten percent storyline. Uh, New Japan's probably 95% in ring and 5% storyline. And so, you know, Lucha Underground does work in storylines and they work him in really well. I mean, the segments are so amazing. I heard an interview of Vampiro about 10 days ago where he said these segments that we see, they're not the shot once or maybe twice and someone goofs and does it again. 
There's like 35 takes of every one of these segments. I mean, they actually filmed this like a TV show, like a movie, uh, which is why they need to start generating more revenue because it's a little bit more costly to make than you would imagine. I mean, yeah, they don't have the pyro and stuff like that. I mean, they, they're using the money smartly, in my opinion. I'd rather see no pyro and none of the other funny that, uh, fancy stuff or any of uh, the so-called celebrities making appearances. I got news for you. Uh, I've seen about three or four times celebrities just in the crowd watching the show. They didn't have to be paid to be there. So I think the money's being well spent, but uh, apparently the production costs are a bit high because they put so much effort into these segments that they make. You know, Dario Cueto's not a wrestling guy. He's not from any other promotion. He's an actor which was hired to play this role, and he does it fantastic. He's an over-the-top evil villain. I hope some people are like, oh, they don't like it because he's so over-the-top. But I think he's supposed to be over the top. That's what they want. And he does it perfectly. Because this show, as good as it is, and I think I'd like it no matter what, without Dario, it's a different show. Dario makes his show what it is. I hope you love this show. And I hope you love our show. Unfortunately, I don't have Dario <laughs> uh, as a member here to make this show better. But I do hope, uh, if you're still listening, I hope you haven't been enjoying it. I've been enjoying talking to you guys. We do have upcoming some Wing of Honor New Japan joint shows I'll be talking about. We'll also probably be hearing either the Shine or the Evolve show this week. Uh, one or two up I should be getting to, as well as the Wing of Honor stuff. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.